And I'm Alexander Wales. And this is episode 23, The Force Awakens versus Rogue One. Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Yeah. This is going to be a kind of different episode. We're going to just kind of review the two movies and discuss what they did more or less rationally. Why don't we spoilers, sp- by the way. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be going deep into spoilers. If you haven't seen either movie or there's, there's, you're planning to sometime soon, feel free to skip this episode and come back after. Why don't we start with the, I guess, basic level movie review kind of critiques. Like, is there... What did you think of the movies themselves? So Rogue One, I liked more, but I thought it's it's opening half or maybe even two thirds was kind of um, muddled and didn't establish the characters all that well. Mm-hmm. But it had a lot of stuff in there about about the rebellion as this sort of messy thing of conflicting ideologies that I liked. Right. Um, Whereas The Force Awakens was is a very classic uh, hero's journey type story. Um, it's like a monomyth type story, just like the original Star Wars uh, A New Hope, which it borrows from very liberally. Heavily, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a people use the term soft reboot, um, which I don't think is quite. I don't. I won't quite go that far, but I mean, I liked it for you know. It was very well crafted mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So, I, I, for me, I, I would I would say that I enjoyed Rogue One more. Um, to The Force Awakens, I I enjoyed the watch experience of it. I enjoyed watching it. Um, but even while watching it, there were a lot of glaring issues that took me out of the film rather badly um, from both a film competence level um, in terms of how good a, a film this is and and from a Star Wars fan level and from a rational reader slash viewer slash writer level. It's kind of hard to... So the, the main problem I had with The Force Awakens is that every time I, I think back to over the movie or watch it again i find new things that i think it did wrong whereas rogue one like you said the first half was a little muddled and and not quite as engaging um but overall still holds up uh rogue one i think also benefited from being a very different kind of genre in the star wars universe it was yeah. a lot more of a skullduggery kind of rogue ish um aptly yeah. enough yeah R- rogue one was a, a war movie Yes. At its heart. Whereas The Force Awakens was... It was an adventure movie. Yes, yeah, adventure movie. Yeah, Rogue One was more of a spy spy in a wartime movie, which is, again, fitting, because that's what it was about. Uh, they, they hit that theme well. They still in, in, introduced some ideas that probably muddled it a bit more than it could have been. Um, but I think overall it, it, it was refreshing to see that, and that might, might be partly why I, I enjoyed it so much more. But... I feel like for for Force Awakens we have to address the 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 soft reboot thing as you said. Why did you find that I guess acceptable? Or what did you, what did you think of that? Um I thought it was acceptable. I I don't know because it's it's not like the original Star Wars was all that like new and refreshing. And I'm saying this as someone who was born like a decade after it right. came out. Uh so that's sort of me applying 
hindsight from a couple decades and maybe maybe it was new and refreshing when it came out but in terms of like story structure it wasn't like blazing new trails you know there's this like desert uh desert farm boy and he Mm -hmm. um you know meets a mysterious old man and yeah there's a there's a mysterious mentor and he dies and uh they blow up the thing at the end that's Mm -hmm. threatening everyone and there's i it's the fact that the force awakens does that too i think if if it were if we were doing like a soft reboot of memento mm-hmm. uh i would i would be appalled but since it's a soft reboot of uh what was already kind of cliche in a lot of ways um i i found it more acceptable i guess okay but the the other thing is that um I think that I have to separate the soft reboot stuff from the fan service stuff. Cause there was a lot of fan yes. service movie that I did not need or want. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that's different from the, the soft reboot stuff. Right. To I, me, to me, those are two different criticisms and maybe it's more of the soft reboot stuff is more of a criticism for me than it might be for you. But I think the fan, the fan service stuff is probably equally a criticism for both of us. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, the Force Awakens soft reboot was was problematic just because I think it was partially fan influenced. Like I, I could see J.J. Abrams, so I, I, I'll be a bit risky right here and say I don't have a huge ton of respect for as a director. I think he's very competent, and that's about it. I, I think that he he was largely influenced by knowing how much people hated the prequels, and basically he took the safest possible choice for the movie. I guess that's assuming that he had more influence on the writing process. I don't I never quite know how much influence the director has on any given movie's writing. But um Yeah. Yeah, I think in this case it was quite a bit. Yeah. But um so I feel like the movie did a very safe thing, but it did it poorly in so many ways that like you know, like if the new Death Star wasn't so much of a new Death Star, if the if the new let me let me explain that point actually. So there's a there's a thing from the expanded universe that's that's been retconned now. It's no longer canon as as most of the expanded universe isn't called the Sun Crusher. It's this little ship. It's relatively like relatively much smaller than than any any Starfleet ship. It's basically a one or two man ship, and it has the power to blow up a sun, which is what makes it a much more terrifying super weapon because it's it's solar system destroying opposed to planet destroying this new death star eats a sun and then blows up five planets and the five planets is treated as like the worst thing as the as like the, the bad part yeah because the death star blew up a planet and that's so like it's trying to be the death star again but it's just like it like they completely gloss over the fact that it just ate a sun to kill five planets because five is bigger than one and that's what they focus on <laughs> so it's just like that, like i just I, I could see the bad fan fiction on the wall, so to speak, while I was watching the movie, and it just bothered the hell out of me. Yeah. So it's hard. That, that's the thing. I, I think it's not. You're right. A New Hope was not comp- like totally innovative as a movie. It just bothered me that it was a soft reboot that did it. It that hit the same paces so poorly. Yeah. The same notes so poorly. I guess. Yeah. Well, and part of it is like they they blow up these like five planets, which are the capital mm-hmm. and 
four outlying planets of um, the New Republic, mm-hmm. but that has no punch to it Absolutely. because you don't like that. That's one of the reasons that I think that was a poorly done thing because in uh, in A New Hope, um, you have Princess Leia looking at Alderaan, which is her home, mm-hmm. get destroyed, and so that's the emotional connection. But for these people, it's like it's um ray and finn are two principal characters um and they don't you know they don't have any connection right like he's a runaway from the stormtroopers and she's been stuck on this planet desert planet for mysterious reasons and neither of them are like fanatics about the new republic and the planets that were blown up weren't their home it's like it's like you have this movie that is about this totally unrelated thing, almost, and then nine eleven happens. Mm-hmm. That that's what it felt like. Yeah. And, and people are like, "Oh God, it's like so terrible." I mean, yeah, it is terrible, but the emotional impact of it is kind of missing because there's no there's no personal connection. There's no like this is the first we've heard about these right five planets is as soon as they get blown up. Not even they they weren't even like. Hoth and Endor. No one. I mean, no one would care about Hoth, but like one of the planets wasn't even like Endor or Tatooine or like some planet that we would have a connection with, at least. Right. You know, it was just five completely nondescript, unnamed, unimportant planets, and it was. There was also just this. This, you know, like the idea. Um, I think it was Stalin that said, um, "One death is a tragedy. A million is a statistic." And, like, yeah. you know, as much as people might like to talk about that in real life, and that's, like, you know, a thing that we can definitely talk about in real life and how people perceive tragedies and, and things like that. In fiction, it's so much more, uh, it, you know, there's... You could you could literally describe hundreds of thousands of people dying and being tortured and being miserable for centuries in a fictional book. And if none of them are characters that we know or care about or have seen like we have interacted with in any way it just doesn't matter like it's not it's it's the worst kind of telling rather than showing um yeah and so that's yeah it it failed on the emotional gut punch that that was supposed to be and it it also bothered me because it didn't it didn't make so this is going to be another thing that's kind of related to that so in terms of the structure of the film in the the concept of the rebellion was that there was the evil empire, and the, reb- the rebels were the people who were fighting back against it. Um, in Force Awakens, for some strange reason that's never explained, um, the New Republic is there, and like the 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 what's they called Second Empire, um, New Empire, New Order, right? Yeah, the yeah. New Order. The New Order. So they're kind of like a scrappy rebellion empire thing. They're like the leftover of the empire that's still fighting back and trying to reclaim the galaxy, so to speak. Um, but then there's this third faction that Leia apparently is heading up. That's like the resist, like the the people who are fighting the New Order as opposed to the government. And like it's never explained why those two different good factions. And like one can assume that like maybe. Like they're the military wing, or maybe they're the ones willing to like be the rebels, kind of still, and and be scrappy and and do somewhat less moral things to fight the the new order, opposed to the 
the legitimized main government. It's never explained, and I don't I don't know if it's if it is somewhere else, and I just missed it. But yeah, it first order, not the new order. I uh, gotcha. So uh, by analogy, the first order is like there, there are four factions basically. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the empire is still there, and the new republic is still there, is or is, has been created, but then the um the organization that Leia runs is like a sort of a paramilitary um paramilitary wing kind of like it's like it's like it's funded covertly by the new republic who would deny its existence um it's that kind of thing and then the first order is basically the equivalent to the nazis in the Weimar republic mm-hmm. um to the empire Okay. Right. So, none of that is is in the movie. Though. Right. Um. But that's sort of what's what's going on is that the empire is fading. Um. The new republic is at peace with them. Right. But then you have these uh, sort of guerrilla forces and um reaction kind of reactionary yeah. uh groups Just these reactionary forces. None none of that's in the movie and it pisses me off because it's like. I mean, it's 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 par- partly they're trying to whitewash the conflict. Um, they don't want to get into politics, partly because that's one of the things that people hated the prequels for, or claimed to hate the prequels for. Yes, but, yeah, but this is the thing, right? So this is what I was going to say. If the planets are destroyed, and then a part of the uh, New Republic kind of, like, like Leia basically says, like, well, like, we need to be more aggressive with these things or something like that, like, the, the New Republic has, has a crisis from these like presumably that's going to happen anyway maybe we'll find out in the next movie or something but since we know nothing about these factions like i don't know why i care about these five plans being destroyed if there's already a group of people dedicated to fighting the first order and these weren't them that got that got hurt like the, the new republic got hurt by this and yeah it's just it's just very poorly written um and and that's just kind of indicative of, of i feel like the effort that put in that was put into the the story yeah. it, it cared more about hitting hitting the the Star Wars nostalgia than it did writing a good Star Wars story. Whereas Rogue One, obviously very reliant on Star Wars nostalgia, it's literally minutes before the uh, the movie ends, like minutes before the new A New Hope started, but it was still more original in what it in what it the story that it told. Yeah. And I think I think part of the part of what happened to the Force Awakens was just deliberate on the part mm-hmm. of the people writing it. Like they knew they course, had at least yeah. thought about some of this stuff. Cause it's in like the background materials. Right, um, right. It's in like these books and stuff and it's more detailed than I would expect if it was just, than if that stuff was just made up and it makes sense within, within the context of the movie once you know it. Um, but they, at some point just decided our audience, you know, it's, it's in our best interests to not explain any of this. Mm-hmm. Or, or go in depth on it. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of a shame because I wanted to see more of that. But then, like, your main characters aren't connected with any of that stuff. Right. right. Which is, again, like another... Oh, God. Uh, I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to start getting into the, the nitty-gritty on this. Um, okay, so the main characters for both movies had some problems. Um, but missed opportunities 
is I think the the theme that I would go with for a New Hope. I mean, uh, Force Awakens. Yeah. There's a character that was a stormtrooper, and having a stormtrooper as a main character is new ground. It's amazingly ripe with opportunity. It allows so many like character moments and connections and all that stuff. And what I assumed was the case was that this was a stormtrooper who either watched someone he cared about get killed or saw too many atrocities committed by the New Order or whatever it was and decided to defect. Yeah. Someone who would be who would be wrestling with his inner demons, the things he used to do, you know, like the state of his his soul, for lack of a better word, like what you know, what it means to be a reformed stormtrooper to join the alliance or to join the rebellion and and try to make up for his past sins. What I got instead was a freshly a new stormtrooper who had never participated in any combat missions before, had never apparently killed anyone, saw the first combat mission you know, the brutality of, of, of war and basically noped out of it. You know, there's that great iconic scene of, of, of the of the stormtrooper like putting his hand hand on his face and, and the blood trails off it and like he's just looking down at the stormtrooper and like it's a great humanizing moment for stormtroopers and like I would have loved it if that was like his friend or if that was just, you know, like just give me something to make me empathize with this character and care about him. But instead what I got was this was just a blank slate character who we don't have to have any complicating factors about you don't have to feel you know morally gray about him at all he's just he never did anything wrong and he saw the error of his ways immediately the first time he had the opportunity to and he's just just perfect he's a perfect character and that bothered the hell out of me too and it was the polar opposite of the rogue one thing which you said earlier where you see where you see the rebellion engaging in like having characters in it and engaging in activities that are morally ambiguous. Yeah. And where, I mean that, I think that they didn't hit that quite as hard as they could have, mm-hmm. but there, there are a lot of moments where there people are like, Oh, Hey, we're the rebellion. We're not, you know, violent. And that's just, that's so great. Uh, it's so great to see that kind of stuff where you could agree with that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of my problem is that most of that weight gets carried in, a single scene where they're meeting and then a little bit in the um, saw Guerrera is the uh, Forrest Whitaker's character who, who has like gone over some arbitrary line in fighting. Uh, I think they're the Republic at that point, but he, he's gone over the line in fighting the umpire, right? They just don't, they mm-hmm. don't hit that terribly hard. They don't really explain what he's done that's so bad and caused him to be exiled and I don't know. I had I had a lot of problems with Rogue One's opening, mostly because I didn't think it established the characters all that well. Like their actual motivations and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Force Awakens, I think I think it missed a lot. I think there was a lot of opportunity with uh Finn's character that they just didn't they didn't take because they didn't want they didn't want him to be the Han Solo, I guess. Right. He was morally antagonist or morally ambiguous uh side character in A New Hope who sort of redeems himself. But he I mean, as far as moral ambiguity goes, 
Han Solo wasn't quite over the line. Like, he had killed people, right? Sean Hot first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean, Han shot first. Um, but I don't know. They could have gone there, and then they didn't. They didn't. The only people connected with any of the political stuff uh, were Kylo Ren and, you know, uh, I mean, yes, the plot tied into that because there's Luke and Leia and Han Solo there, but that sort of, the movie wasn't supposed to be about them so much. I mean, it, it was about Han and his relationship with his son, but that wasn't what was carrying the, the weight of the movie. Or I don't think it was supposed to be. Unless I'm totally wrong about that. So, I don't know. I thought I thought that it had a lot of stuff that was cool. Flying the ship through hyperspace and then under the shields, that, I mean, is not an established... They don't establish rules around that so much, but it was neat in that you could think that it was an extrapolation from a system of rules where it's just, like, really dangerous and you have to be really skilled to do it, but mm-hmm. it gets you past a weakness in a shielded system if you're willing to risk slamming into a um, into a planet at right. hyperspeed. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It also sort of leans on the force a little bit too much for my tastes. There was this is that's an interesting this is an interesting point about the force in general about these two movies, right? Because yeah, so what were you gonna say about that? Um, so the force is used to explain away coincidences, mm-hmm. basically. Um, you can make a Star Wars movie or write a Star Wars story that's just full of coincidences, and then you just say, oh, yes, it was the force. It was the force doing that the whole time, which can work sometimes, I guess. They do do that a whole lot in The Force Awakens. There are, I think they're escaped from the sh- shipyard on the desert planet, and the sort of kind of useless thing with the monsters on the ship that that gets resolved by force powers basically i don't know i think i thought it, i thought it leaned heavily on the explanation for things being just that's the power of the force which is kind of clever kind of not way to stitch together a movie that has a bunch of coincidences in it whereas uh, you see almost none of that in rogue one which is one of the things i liked about rogue one i guess so the, the the line from Han, right? That's not how the Force works. Um, yeah. I laughed at that line. Like, that made me laugh. But we kind of see in Rogue One that that is how the Force works. Because there's the monk, the blind monk, who has his mantra as he's walking through a field and being shot at and, and not getting hit. And get and gets gets off the completes the mission does what he what he was set out to setting out to do and then once he completed that gets it right so it wasn't just like he had tapped into some some force power of his like those those theories that he is force sensitive um tapped into some force power of his it wasn't that like he just got lucky up until that moment because that's again like an extraordinary amount of luck to not get shot until you do exactly what you need to do and then get shot it, just, it it seemed like it was invoking the 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 idea that the force is a somewhat sentient shaper of of reality and that's not exactly news to people who paid attention to all the things that you know Obi-Wan and Yoda have said in the original movies but it's not my favorite 
way to for the force to be expressed at all. It's part, it's actually the thing that I hate that I hate seeing the force expressed as because again it, it brings up the ideas of faith-based magic and deus ex machina and all that all that stuff so yeah I hated that scene with the monk and and the and the blaster fire everywhere I like the monk himself he was cool you know it was, it was a nice character but that itself that scene itself it kind of contradicted the whole like the force doesn't work that way because you know that's what yeah. Han says because he's a skeptic, but he's but he believes in the Force now, so his skepticism doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, I I, I kind of ex- I kind of expect the movies never to really deal with that contradiction. By the way, I, I don't think they'll ever come down one side or the other whether or not the Force helps those who help themselves or like can be, can be something that will just trust you to win the day as long as you are worthy or faithful or uh, whatever. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, that question of what does a force want? Mm-hmm. Right? You have to ask that question, but there, there's no answer, really, right? Yeah. They, they talk about the will of the force all the time, but they don't really talk about what that will is directed towards. I don't know. It's very, the force is a very difficult thing, mostly because it does a lot of what the plot demands, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it not irrational, but uh, it makes it hard to predict what it's going to do. Yeah, um, it's it's completely um, up to the writers to decide when they want the Force to act as a saving grace and when they don't. Right. So so you, if if you we just stop the movie at the moment when the blind monk is like staring at that thing, uh, staring at the like button he had to press or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um. You, if we had stopped the movie at that moment, and we'd be like, okay, we know that he, narr- narratively speaking, he's going to figure out a way to do it, right. right? How is he going to do it? We we would probably just sit there and and we might say, oh, he's going to use the force, but well, how, right? <laughs> he's just going to walk slowly <laughs> over to it. It it's a it's a cool moment, so long as you don't think about it too much don't think about it too much and don't think about what the implications of that are because now it's like if someone else tries that would it have worked was it because he's secretly force sensitive like why is the force allowing all these other people to die like it's it's yeah like the force has a apparently either either he was tapping into a force power and for whatever reason he ran out of mana or focus or he just felt that like he had completed his mission so he just didn't need it anymore, and that's why he was suddenly vulnerable. Or the Force wanted them specifically to complete this mission. Yeah. And decided to help in just this one specific way. Uh, notably. Like, maybe it, it's it's why the Stormtroopers just have such shitty aim in all the other movies, and we don't know. But that's the problem. We don't know. It's it's completely opaque. Right. And that's, you know, that's not a new criticism of the Force, but it, it, it was kind of highlighted by... Uh, these two these two conflicting reports of how the force works in these movies right because i mean and then the, the, well the other thing is that if you just boil the force down to like mild precognitive powers mm-hmm. or um you know a greater awareness of your surroundings or being able to shoot lightning from your hands it loses some of that mystique yeah. that it has yeah but uh, it's kind of hard to to square that circle yeah. I don't know. I, I would have I, I would have been okay with that scene if he had just been kind of like sidestepping every so often, right? Because then I would have just been like, oh, he's 
he's preemptively like noting noticing when they're when they're turning their gun or where like where the blast is gonna go or something like that. Right. But he was just walking. Yeah, no, he was just walking straight line. <laughs> okay, so talking about the force, I feel like we've gotta talk about the the villains, the Sith in these two movies. Uh there's very little obviously to talk about with it in Rogue One. I liked I was very surprised I was surprised that Vader was in it. I didn't know he was gonna be in it and it was great to see him in it. I Loved the scene at the end of the movie where he pops up and, and slaughters all the, the rebel troops. I hated the scene in the middle of the movie where he chokes the pointless, po- pointlessly has that argument with the, the, the new Moff Tarkin, whose name I forget. And he just, he says the pun, you know, don't choke on your ambition and that, that whole thing. I get a lot of people like that scene because it showed his, his castle on Mustafar and, you know, it's a cool kind of lore thing, but. I thought that scene was really dumb and unnecessary, and worse than that, I think that the last scene would have been ten times more effective if it, if it hadn't been in there. If like if you didn't know that Darth Vader was in the movie, and the first time you see him, you've just got like a bunch of rebel troops staring into darkness, and then you hear the breathing, and then his red lightsaber snaps on, and you're like, oh shit, it's Darth fucking Vader, and he's about to wreck some shit. Like, that would be amazing. And instead, it's like, okay, well, I already know he's in the movie, and obviously this is where he's gonna come, come, and it's just, yeah. I, I would've, I wish I could wipe my memory, have someone edit a version of the movie where that middle scene was not in there, and then watch it again, and, ha- and experience that scene at the end again for the first time without knowing that he was in the movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think part of what they're trying to do is, is sort of portray both sides as being more complex mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and so they have this sort of infighting with the, uh, right, right. Between within the, the empire yeah. and, and this infighting within the rebellion. And I thought that was a really neat way to mirror it, but I don't think they fully followed through on it partly because they wanted Vader in there. Yeah. Because he, uh, people love Darth Vader, I guess. And I get, I get that they kind of had to introduce him, I guess, to some people who didn't watch. Like, if this was the first Star Wars movie, you know, this Vader guy. No, I, th- I still think that would have been awesome. It would have been awesome, even for people who had no idea who Vader was, to be like, "What the hell is this? What's going on? Why is he so powerful? Holy shit! He's got a red lightsaber. What does that mean? Do they know what lightsabers are? I guess they don't know what lightsabers even are if they've never seen any other Star Wars movies. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you haven't seen any of the Star Wars movies, I don't know why you would go. Rogue One. Yeah. I think you'd be missing so much of what makes it a movie worth watching, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like if, if you've never seen an ATST mm-hmm. or, you know, the, these iconic ships, uh, Mon Mothma, I I don't know. I I, think I don't know. Would... If I have, if I had kids, like, uh, hopefully someday when I watch the Star Wars movies with my kids, I might just. I'm probably going to just skip the prequels. I have no, I have no intention of subjecting them to that. But I might actually make them watch Rogue One first. I'll have to think about that. But I get what you're saying, right? Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of added value from knowing all these things. Right. It's. I I, I liked quite a bit of the stuff with with the infighting amongst the Empire. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very. I mean, they're still evil. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was very humanizing in yeah, a way absolutely. that they're that they're having these like conflicts of power and like they're talking about scheduling and he's like oh my god Tarkin you're trying to like take credit for this thing that I have yeah I I like that stuff 
I, I liked a lot of the rebellion stuff. I thought they could have gone into it a lot more by dropping, I don't know what, some of the Saw Gerrera stuff, maybe. Yeah. Um, as well, far maybe, as how much time they spent there. Or maybe interweaving it a bit better. Instead of having them argue yeah. about fairly pointless things, have them argue more about like how to deal with Saul Guerrero or something. Yeah. And then like a lot of the stuff with Jin, I think she was a very well-developed character, mm-hmm. right? Because we see her at like five years old or seven or whatever, and she, her father is captured by the Empire to go be an engineer for them or whatever. Um, I feel like it would have been the, the whole movie dedicated to Jin's upbringing in the Rebellion would have been great with Saul Guerrero yeah, and everything. because she was supposed to be raised by Saul Guerrero, and we, we don't really get why they had their falling out, what that was about, mm-hmm. like what her personal beliefs are. She seems like she's just in it for herself. Right. Right. It's it's definitely an undeveloped, underdeveloped relationship and character uh, between her and him and her and her father and everything. Um, yeah. Cassian and or... Um, I guess I mean it's an ensemble cast, but I would consider those the two principal leads. Right. He he's a little better developed, but a lot of that development comes in the middle of the movie when he's just like talking about how he's been fighting this fight since he was six years old or nine years old or whatever. Right. Um, rather than at the beginning, I didn't think his opening was very good. Yeah. And then he's like arguing, he's arguing with um with Jin about about their mission and they don't trust each other but I don't really care that much because I don't really know understand what makes either of those characters tick I like the opening with him just because it showed again like right away this is this is a morally ambiguous good guy if a good guy he is um yeah so I feel, I feel like that accomplished that fairly fairly well it also added to the mood of like this is a spy movie kind of um people meeting up in, in secret and then backstabbing each other and things like that yeah. Um, going back to the point of the, the infighting in the Empire, I really like that, that trope. I actually made a, a, a TV trope page um, a few years ago called Evil Will Fail as kind of a counterpart to the Good Will Triumph one that's specifically about villains failing because of their evilness. Not, you know, not because evil must fail because it's evil, but because, like, the the attitudes and behaviors of people who have you know values that are negative some or selfish or whatever it is tend to be self-destructive in many ways and it's great to see that in in things like the empire and stuff where the infighting between the generals and and the conflicts between um people who who are ostensibly on the same side might help contribute to their downfall I feel like in in Force Awakens we also see that kind of between the rivalry rivalry between um, the shouty man whose name I can never remember um, and uh, Ben uh, the uh, uh, Darth the new Darth I forgot his name I'm really bad Kylo Ren Kylo Ren thank you um, Kylo Ren and uh, Mr McShouty and you know, they're both kind of vying for the affection of, of the new Palpatine, and they're both, like, trying to prove that they're capable and able to accomplish the mission and, like, you know, talking down at each other when one of them fails. And uh, I feel like both... Unfortunately, I feel like both of their characters were also very poorly developed um, 
Mr. McShowdy is so undeveloped that I don't even think he's a one-dimensional character. He's just like a, he's, he's supposed to be both a new Tarkin and like a Hitler kind of guy with that yeah. speech that he gave. Um, and he was not threatening. Like, he didn't come off as threatening at all. I really like the actor for what's worth, but I, I don't think the character was well done at all. Um, yeah. And I, uh-huh. I kind of liked that he wasn't threatening. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he has like a general Hux is the name. Um, oh, okay. He had a, a very, uh, threatening speech but i kind of like that that mirror with kylo ren mm-hmm. who's like this this like angry exterior that sort of hides frailness yeah um i do like the idea of of now that you say that and now i'm not like now i'm thinking about what you're saying like that it is it is kind of a interesting idea that maybe like this new order is predominantly younger people um people trying to like fill the shoes of of their their idols in the in the empire and kind of being like, you know, screw those those rhinos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, yeah, and and they're a reactionary force, but again, not actually in the movie. Um, yeah. yeah. That that they're this sort of like splinter, um, this splinter organization that's not actually ideologically aligned with the empire all that much, mm-hmm. right? Because they're, I mean, they're basically, the First Order um, is committing this enormous war crime to, you know, they're they're doing the equivalent of bombing the White House. Yeah. Right? Um, when the there's country... There's ostensibly at peace. Yeah. That there's this, this peace that's going on between them and they sort of hate each other. But not, not, not in the movie. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things like... If I were writing rational, The Force Awakens, I would probably go into that. Yes. Just, but it wasn't included because I think, I don't know, maybe a desire to have more, more black and white villains, or to save some of the um, intrigue for later. Well, th- save some of the intrigue for Kylo Ren. Yeah. Specifically, oh, and, and specifically about his upbringing and sort of shadowy stuff that happened in the past that's going to be revealed in future movies which i don't really i get that's how you make a trilogy but kylo ren okay i gotta talk about kylo ren now yeah well i i want to say that my biggest complaint with the force awakens if this was not a like you know forget scenes that didn't really work like the thing with han and 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 the the people that were after him and the monsters in the in the ship and all that forget scenes like you know forget the backstory of poe and was it poe no backstory of um finn finn thank you uh forget the uh, backstory of finn not being what i hoped it would be um forget all that like if if there's one thing i would fix about force awakens it would be just stop making the villains so goddamn stupid, so stupid. I don't, I don't care if he's an angsty guy. I don't, I don't. That, that you know is fine. Him slashing wildly at the machinery and stuff was cool. Is I'm, I'm good with all that. I just, I just don't want my villains to be smart and threatening and not be stupid as fucking Saturday morning cartoon villains, please. Because this guy had a girl in his interrogation room that demonstrated force powers to him and then left her alone with one guard. Yeah. Holy shit, I felt 
like I was watching some kind of elaborate Xanatos gambit where he's trying to let her escape, but no, that was not the case. Apparently, he just fucked up. Yeah, it's like why do they why do they not have a protocol in place for for sensitive people? Like obviously he came from like the Knights of Ren, a uh-huh. full order of four sensitive people. He's known quite a few of them. Uh, I don't know. It's it's mind boggling. Um, how, how do you not put a droid in there or sedate her or something? Like, lock the goddamn door. I don't care. Like, fucking... Uh, yeah, it was bad. If if you were being uh, very charitable to the movie, you mm-hmm. would say that that's his character flaw of arrogance revealing itself and forcing him to lose. I'm so sick of that excuse for bad guys <laughs> yeah. being stupid. But yes, that is what you could say. I I think that it is beyond beyond that excuse honestly it's is simply a case of the screenwriters wanted to show her being badass and she's kind of a mary sue but i'm not going to go into that right now because i still want to focus on stupid bad guys stupid bad guy number two captain phasma who yeah (laughs) apparently was just this huge red herring because like everyone's talking about this chrome trooper and and you know i guess it was to sell another toy or something because she does nothing all movie and the one time she's actually gets some screen time, she immediately capitulates to her her traitorous, you know, undertrooper and just completely screws over the entire New Order and then gets thrown into a trash compactor. So just she's just out of the movie. Like, she's just gone. Like, what was the point of her being in the movie? I don't know, and I don't care. It was it was dumb. You can't even yeah. have a, a brave bad guy willing to die for what they believe in. It's just complete cowardice and ineffectualness. Yeah, but I kind of expect that from, well, no, I expect that Kylo Ren will be redeemed or something. Mm-hmm. I, I I expect that because that's the same uh, Darth Vader pattern that mm-hmm. they're going to follow. I kind of wonder what, like, it's not clear from the movie what Kylo Ren thinks of Darth Vader, right? right. He's like, oh, you know, I'll, I'm going to follow in your footsteps, but it's like, why... What do you think his footsteps were, right? Who who gave you the idea that your grandfather was a person whose footsteps you should follow in? Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure we'll get some information on that in right. the future. But ideally. Ideally, yeah. I mean, that's how you write the trilogy. You, you set up your characters, and then you reveal stuff. I mean, we'll figure out who ray's parents are and why she was waiting for them on this desert planet but I swear to God, uh, i really hope it's not luke yeah like i don't i don't, I don't want it to be luke i just like we can we can have non-skywalker jedis please just to focus of a movie that's not a skywalker it'd be nice yeah but if, we, if we're following if we're just repeating history it's right. gonna be luke yeah of course right there's there's a reason that neither ray nor finn have Parents. Well, there's a reason Ray doesn't have a last name. Finn's is because Finn isn't actually his name. He's just FN something something. Right, right. His call sign. And I kind of do hope that they do more with him in the next movie or two because presumably he wasn't just that grown because most of the stormtroopers aren't supposed to be at this point, right? Right. And also it's unclear, like, when he became a stormtrooper because this is, like, he was, he's, I think he was, like, getting pressed into it. Or, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, if all the stormtroopers are done that way, you'd think there'd be a lot more of a defection, right? It seemed to be, like, a very hot button issue. Like, all the troops, everyone who saw him 
first of all, apparently I recognized him without his helmet on, which is interesting. And then just like, because he was just a low-level troop. He was in sanitation before he, he even put on the uniform on that first mission. Like, and they were just like, traitor. And they treat it like such a like like mud blood or something. Yeah. And like I don't get what their what their culture inside is like that we gangfest you into into fighting for us. How dare you betray the ideals that we fight for? That was that was a whole weird scene in general with the stormtrooper taking out the stun baton. I sometimes think about what what second like if someone came to me and said, Hey, we need to write a sequel to The Force Awakens mm-hmm. that like explains a bunch of these things. I'm trying to think of what kind of movie I would write that, like, incidentally makes sense of a lot of things that right. look really weird right now. And a lot of a lot of that happened with uh, A New Hope. Is there are a lot of like weird kind of things in that that got retconned and became part of canon, or at least Legends canon. Mm-hmm. But that that's how they explain away things like uh, Han saying that there's like five parsecs. Um, he, he did the castle run five parsecs. Right, or whatever. right, right. There's, there's a very important part of rationalizing stories that I think you just touched on, which is I think the highest skill I feel like in a rationalized story is demonstrated through the ability to make something that seemed illogical and pointless and stupid, maybe not all three th- of those things at once, but seemed seemed bad, actually turn out to be justified by the premise and setting and genius. HPMR does this in a few places. One of them notably is the chamber where the Philosopher's Stone is being kept. Instead of people justifiably wondering why the hell a bunch of first years can so easily pierce a bunch of traps set to protect the Philosopher's Stone, it's just, you know, it's just said that, like, you know, obviously Dumbledore set this up as a prank and it's just a, a thing to let students, like, test themselves against and have fun with and no one really expects it to to hold anyone out because the real puzzle is at the end and it's the mirror of lies that that matters what i think is really well done is the explaining of the weakness of the death star through rogue one yeah i think that was the best possible way they could have um done that you know you did a really great job with the explanation of why the second death star was just crap (laughs) and i loved i loved that short story um machines of destruction what was it called? Instruments of Destruction. Instruments yeah. of Destruction. That was that was fantastic. Uh, before the first Death Star, just explaining that, you know, there was there was this glaring weakness because the engineer who was forced to construct the Death Star for them uh, was actually a traitor and, and constructed it on purpose. And like, that was great. And I like that they did that. I, I've also seen a, I think it was a stand-up comedy routine or something, some video on YouTube where someone was explaining that you know, it's not actually a plot hole because an exhaust port is meant to push things out and there's no reason for anything to be able to go into it, let alone a missile that's that small going exactly into it through force magic. You know, like, there's a, like, like give the guy a break. There's, this is, there's no reason this should have worked and only worked because he was a space wizard. But, yeah, I, I like that they explained the, the weakness of the Death Star through Rogue One. I think that was its, its most important um, accomplishment. Yeah. I liked I liked the uh the way it made the Empire and the Rebellion slightly more black and white. Um less so on the Empire side. But I mean there was a little bit of that. I I guess I always like infighting you among mean, evil evil organizations as an explanation. You mean for sli- their... slightly less black and white, you mean? Yeah, slightly less less black and white. Right. Um Yeah, I agree. It, it was uh-huh. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I liked Rogue One 
more for how it played with the expanded universe, right? Or, or how it how it played with the existing canon. I think that if I were looking at both those movies as as though they were fan fiction, which they, I don't know, it's kind of a weird dividing line. Like if you if someone pays you to just write in that universe that you did not create mm-hmm. or help create, and you're like years down the line, it's not really that different from fan fiction, right? Right. As far as for, what you're doing. For all intents and purposes, it is ascended fan fiction. Yeah. Um, but The Force Awakens had so many moments that it's just like, oh, come on. Like, I get that you want to, you know, that you loved A New Hope and you you loved, like, the original trilogy and you, you wanted to bring in as many elements of that as you could. Um, whereas Rogue One is, to some extent, a way of explaining a new hope and making a new hope better right which i think it does i think some people have complained about um darth vader gets onto the ship in a new hope and he's like <laughs> he's talking to leia and leia's like oh i'm on a diplomatic mission he's just, um and they're like oh well she was lying it's like yeah of course she was lying that's that, that's better mm-hmm. that's better than thinking she was on an actual diplomatic mission i like I like Leia better having just, like, told this blatant lie to Darth Vader's face. I kind of just assumed that was the case. Is there, was there any reason not to believe that that was the case? I don't know. But a lot of people apparently did. Okay. So. Um, I was a little confused at the end of Rogue One for why Leia was there in the first place. Um, like, why did she join this attack battalion to go to this planet and then take off like with this with this disc as if she knew that she would be needed there or something like, i didn't really i don't i don't i don't really know why she was there but uh i think the explanation is that this so the rebel alliance sort of voted down this plan mm-hmm. of getting um getting the information on the death star and then these people went rogue and did it anyway and then the rebellion called in a whole bunch of warships. Right, and so she just happened to be on one of the warships that and went she in. She was she was on one of the ones because she had been her, um, her father, father Bail, right, right. had sent her had been sending her to go do something. So she was sort of incidentally on one. Right, I think that's it. That that makes sense. I just still feel like she's a princess, right? She's not right. like she wasn't as far as I'm aware. Um, involved in any kind of fighting before that point. Though to be fair, she does she does demonstrate martial capability right away in, in A New Hope. Like she's she's a battle princess from the beginning. She just doesn't have a chance to to, to show it yet. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I would have liked it better if she'd like snuck on board or just like straight up like led one of the battleships and like that was just what she did and people knew that. But yeah, there were there were a lot of really good. Um, moments in Rogue One that I feel like um, lent itself to the lore of the of the universe. Yeah. Um, I liked seeing I liked seeing a what what a occupation by the Empire kind of looked like. You know, this temple of, of that was so of so much importance to the Jedi. Being mined for its for its crystals, the lightsaber crystals, the kyber crystals, yeah. yeah. 
Well, no, uh, sorry. Kyber crystals are used in lightsabers, but they're also used in the Death Star. Right, right. They were mining them for the Death Star, right? But that's that's what I what I remember them being used for for, for before. It's why the Jedi would yeah. have them. Yeah. It adds it adds more room for kind of a re rebooting of the of the expanded universe, um, since so much of the expanded universe is is no longer canon. Yeah. Yeah, I liked I liked a lot of the not set pieces but well yeah a lot of the set pieces there were some things like the death star uh blows up that temple city and then everyone has all this time to like get to a ship and fly away from the shockwave mm-hmm. that was kind of i don't know it was uh, it was cheesy in a way to to try to outrun the shockwave right it was it was cheesy. It was, I mean, I feel like I don't know. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a line from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, I I feel I feel like Death Star or I feel like Death Stars don't work that way. But I don't know enough about Death Stars. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the line is like someone saying that you know we can't burn like you have to burn the trash to be ecologically better ecologically. Someone's like, I don't, it's like, burning trash isn't good for the environment. It's like, yeah, it is. The smoke rises up into space and becomes stars. And the character's like, I, I don't think that's right, but I don't know enough about stars to disprove it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't feel like that's how that would work with the shockwave and then escaping the explosion. But I don't know enough about space-age weapons and planet-busting lasers to, to disprove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they do that They do that twice. They mm-hmm. do the, uh, like, giant shockwave is approaching, and it looks really neat. And it gives time for a lot of like dramatic stuff. Right, like, right. Like Saw Gerrera is like, no, go on, you don't need me. <laughs> yeah, have, like, I, li- I have a limp and I'm not going to make it, just go. <laughs> yeah. But they have the, these, like, it, it allows these moments for emotion, but I was looking at that like, okay, I don't really think it would work that way. But uh, I was also just wondering why he didn't have an escape shuttle ready. Like, you're a fucking rebel, you know... Rebel, yeah. you're a rebel. You're a rebellion within a rebellion. Uh, you're like you're, you're a guerrilla force that that doesn't have like a, a escape hatch, like an escape shuttle, just ready to go. But maybe it's outside. Didn't expect yeah. to be attacked from outside. I don't know. It, yeah. It it was it was neat, but it kind of made me scratch my head. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, they used the um the Death Star to blow up the communications tower. And the uh, laser hits some like distant part of the land after having lanced through the tower, and that gives a bunch of time for a bunch of dramatic stuff, which uh, was fine. I mean, I, I don't begrudge them the moment of drama instead of just you know everyone there is instantly vaporized shortly after the message is sent. But it was one of those clear concessions to the needs of drama. Yeah, uh, and it made for a great ending. I think the ending of Rogue One was very was was well done. Like even without enough character building, as I would have preferred, um, I, I still I still felt like that ending was very poignant and well done. I'm really glad they didn't shoehorn in a romance. You know, there's like indications of potential romance. Yeah. But they, they didn't kiss or anything, and that's totally fine with me. Uh, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. The, it, most movies can can be made better by the removal of shoehorned in romance stories. So, did The Force Awakens? romance kind of, kind of implied yeah between 
Ray and Finn. Yeah, although some people say that Finn and Poe might might be the first gay couple in, in <laughs> Star Wars. I don't know how Maybe. much how much shipping that is, but uh, you know, it seems like a lot of shipping yeah. to me. They were happy to see each other, but also you know they had reason to be happy to see each other. Yeah. Um. I'm 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 interested to see. I mean, obviously, I'm going to see the next Star Wars when it comes out. I'm one of the I'm one of those people who is like the reason that they make superhero movies and <laughs> like Star yeah, Wars yeah. reboot stuff. Like, obviously, I'm going to go see it. <laughs> I I'm not, not yeah it. yeah exactly. I, I I don't know how bad the Force Awakens would have had to have been for me not to watch the next one. Um, partially in hopes that they got their all the nostalgia and, and fan service out of the way, and now they're going to do something original. Um, but it That's was. My- yeah, as bad as it was, I'm still gonna watch the next one, and if that one's also bad, I, I mean, I guess we'll see. I, I didn't, I never, I never ended up seeing Battle of the Five Armies, much as I loved Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, because the first and the first two Hobbit movies were just so bad, and the second Hobbit yeah. movie just irritated me so badly that I just, I just had no interest in the third one. And from all accounts, I didn't miss anything. But um, yeah, we'll see how bad the next one is, next Star Wars is. Yeah. Um. Anything else you want to touch on? Uh, nope. I don't think so. So, rationally speaking, I guess, um, is there anything that you think would have been done better? Like, what would you have done to, to fix, I guess, some of the, the more glaring issues? Um, you know, assuming we don't have more screen time to go into backstories and things like that. Is there anything you would do? Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of... I think I just have most of my most of my issues that I had with both films could have been solved with more explanation of things. Mm-hmm. I think that you can't. I, don't, I think that you don't fix the Force Awakens problems by introducing the political stuff, but it's stuff I would have liked to see a lot more. Right. I would have liked to see more stuff, and then that would have allowed me to care a little more about. Um what was going on rather than just you know these guys are evil yep but uh, that's that's sort of a a, a hope in a dream <laughs> it's it's one of the reasons that i write rational fiction is because i i can include all the stuff that other people might find boring and couldn't make it into a hollywood blockster right a you know there's there's also there's for me, there's a lot of the world-building stuff too, um, but there's there's just the idiot balls. I would just take I would take all the idiot balls and throw them in the trash compactor. It's just yeah. I just don't I don't I don't like it from from heroes, but I especially don't like it from villains because if the villains aren't threatening, then I have no reason to care. Um, it's it, yeah, it's a very common. I mean, especially you know if a villain has someone at their mercy, yeah. and then they escape somehow. That is I don't know. You you have to have a much better explanation for an escape rather than the person doing a thing you could reasonably anticipate them doing. Yeah, and there's a general there's a there's a general problem with the Kylo Ren scene with Han and the battle afterward where. Um, Chewbacca's got this laser blaster that, like, sends people flying from his crossbow. And then, like, he sees Han get stabbed. And then he shoots Kylo Ren with it. And it's just, like, 
I don't know, like burns his arm or his leg rather, his side. Right? Yeah. And and like, I don't know why if she just had it on low power or something, or like ambient force shields were up or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was. Well, and it's one of those it's it's one of those things where like obviously Chewbacca can't kill Kylo, right. Kylo Ren there, because... but he needs to like do something a little effectual. Right. And I did appreciate you... him. Yeah, I did if, if you were writing, mm-hmm. if you were writing that movie, um, you 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 would not be a Hollywood writer if you were like, oh, I better include a line about ambient shields, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Even if that's the explanation, mm-hmm. which I don't think it is, I think it was just like a graze or a near miss that something did something injury. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again, but I'm pretty sure it hit dead on. Like, I don't think it went past him. I think it just like hit him. Um, I, I did appreciate that that injury was something that kept coming up in the battle, which sort of maybe explains why he didn't just instantly wipe the floor with um, Finn and then. I mean, he kind of he kind of beat the snot out of Finn, but um, with Finn and and um, but again, also like he's having he's engaging in a in a lightsaber battle. With these two untrained people, instead of just you know force choking them or force lightning them or force lifting them into the air and letting gravity decide this. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So so the, the the charitable explanation as far as character goes, um, and it's not that charitable. Is uh, Kylo Ren was toying with Finn because mm-hmm. he knew he had him beat, and he just wanted to like take out all that aggression that he's barely suppressed throughout the whole movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with Ray, he wanted to convert her. Right, right. He didn't want to kill Ray. That I get. Yeah. And he he wanted to kill Finn, but he'd wanted to like humiliate him first, yeah. I guess. And oh god, I was so pissed when that crack formed in the thing and separated them. Like this crack yeah, forms that, was... that just completely <laughs> divides them, and like <laughs> it's like y- y- you know the force works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Uh... Just say that instead of saying, oh, it, it was necessary for the plot. Right. I mean, fucking Luke jumped did a force jump in Empire Strikes Back. God forbid Kylo Ren do a force jump over this little chasm that forms. Yeah. Maybe that's a light side power. <laughs> Jumping? <laughs> yeah, just super jump. Look, they gotta get something, okay? They can't have the force lightning, and everyone knows that's the coolest one. Yeah. Although the Force choking apparently is, is fairly ambivalent, because Luke did that in Return of the Jedi, and I always kind of wondered. It shouldn't be any different from any kind of other Force power, because it's just closing their windpipe, but it seems like a more evil thing, because Darth Vader does it. Yeah. But I think it's... The the movies have benefited a lot by not doing clear delineation mm-hmm. between them. I agree. Because yeah. uh, you get a lot of that in... In video games. Uh, like the Star Wars. Right. In, in the video games, in the... Uh, RPG source books, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, why is this power light side and this power dark side? And it's like, why? Yeah. Why were these distinctions made? Like, what makes it? What's the overarching like rationale for for what's light side and what's dark side? Yeah. Um. Which I think would be fun to write. Uh. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you, you get into these questions of like values and motivations and stuff like that. Yeah. But, why do midichlorians care more about you know? What kind of power you use? Right. Assuming uh, the midichlorians are still canon, I don't actually know if they are. I don't. Uh, yeah, they are. Cause they're in the prequels. Everything in the prequels is canon. 
I think that's it. I know your your thing's running right now, so I'm gonna give you a chance to. Yeah. I think that's it for me. All right. Um. So yeah, there's there's uh they're enjoyable movies in the in the watching. I definitely did not like Force Awakens um all that much compared to Rogue One, but I'm hoping the next one's better. Yeah. Me too. I'm hoping that the the next one makes makes Force Awakens better. That too, yeah. Some last minute stuff. Uh let's see. What else? Um, oh yeah, I, I say I like the monk um, just because like he's a this non Jedi follower. I like the idea of like spiritual people who are not themselves Jedi that follow the Force or whatever. But I guess if he actually was a Force user, kind of diminishes that point. And also like, can can anyone tell me what stormtrooper armor is for? Uh-huh. Like what it, what it does because it doesn't block blaster fire clearly. Right. But it doesn't even stop like. Ewoks with stones from from Return of the Jedi or this movie, a guy with a stick was basically just beating them up and they were getting knocked unconscious. Like, what is that armor made of? I don't I don't understand its purpose. What else? Uh, the planets were uh, the planets in in Force Awakens that got blown up. I we didn't mention like they were just like all lined up. Yeah. Like it was super dumb. That was that's it's like a grade school representation of what planets in a solar system look like. Like they were like ridiculously close to each other and and arranged stupidly. <laughs> um, I liked the robot in Rogue One. I think he he was the first robot that I mean he was obviously he was used for for comic relief too, but he was the first robot that I feel like was treated like a person. Yeah. Like he he was treated like an actual character with his own will, as opposed to just basically being. Um, a tool that everyone used and ignored and made fun of, like C-3PO and, and R2. His his death meant something, whereas the others are treated like pets. He's tre- he's treated like a character. Right. Uh, Leia, at the end, I said I liked the, uh, the Rogue One ending, and it worked for me, but I, I forgot to mention that Leia was just absolutely terrible at the end there. Like, no, I'm not talking about the CGI. I don't care about that. I mean, like, her just t- her smile and, like, her her line and it just was such a like it was it was it was it could have been okay if they'd done it a different way if she was a little more serious but like her attitude was just like completely discordant with what had just been going on. i know they wanted to end the movie on an up note but it just it didn't work i don't think right um minor nitpicks i guess uh the music in rogue one was a little off most of the time um i don't know like it was like just it was like trying to it felt like it was trying to imitate star wars but it was just slightly different enough that like it annoyed me and you know once in a while they use the actual star wars music and it was like very welcome when they did i don't i know that i guess they're trying to make new star wars music but i don't it, it was not sufficiently distinct enough it was just it just felt like watered down star wars music i think that's pretty much it this was fun. I'd be happy to do another one at some point in the future with other movies or, or media. Yeah, uh, let us know if you enjoyed this episode and would want to see more, or yeah, absolutely if you just don't care about it at all and you just <laughs> would rather we talk about uh, writing or Te- more technical stuff. Yeah. If you have any suggestions for what you want us to review, um, that could definitely be a thing. I might not. I'll see what how much editing I'll, I'll do of this episode because it's more of an informal conversation and um, yeah. if we end up if I end up not doing much editing of it other than some basic like cleanup uh, sound cleanup and things like that then 
Um, we might even be able to do these more often than the other episodes. Um, not more often, but like do these in addition to the other episodes because it's just conversations that don't take the intensive uh, editing yeah. which the other episodes do take. So yeah, let us know if there's other things you want us to review. Thanks for listening.